0: Pastor Marvin is going to do the sermon message. The scripture today is Hebrews 8, 6 to 13. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is much more excellent than the old, as a covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Be to God. Let's open this morning with a word of prayer, and that's Ask God that his word will speak uh, to us this morning. Amen. Lord, we come before you knowing that this is your word. And you gave it for our correction, for our uh, training, for, for our uh, understanding uh, the way of salvation. Illuminate, illuminate us with the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can see the beautiful, the richness that you have given us in your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Again, if you don't have a Bible, you can run back. I can give you 10 seconds and have a Bible ready. If not, I think uh, our brother is going to do his best uh, there to follow with uh, the screen Uh, in front of you in the in the first eight chapters the writer of hebrews has presented christ as better better than the angels better than moses better than aaron and better than all the people in the old testament maybe you have asked yourself through the book of hebrews what is the point of all this And the Holy Spirit, through the writer, almost anticipating that question, tells us after eight eight chapters, well, just in case you were wondering, if you go with me to chapter 8, verse 1, now, the point in what we are saying is this. I haven't found another passage similar to this one in the scripture. When the writer is telling us, Okay, if you want to know what we have been talking about, the main point is this. And he is about to explain to all of us, what is the main point? The immediate immediate context is found in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 26, which says that the high priest, Jesus Christ, the high priest we all need, is one who is holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above heavens. The first readers of this letter, the Hebrews, probably asked, asked each other do we have such a high priest and their answer was no let me tell you a description of the high priest in the times of the people of the first readers of the book of hebrews Listen to this. This is a historian telling about the priesthood. The priestly family was extremely wealthy and corrupt, functioning most much like a mafia. The godfather was the high priest who controlled the position even when his sons were given the title of a high priest. The priestly family owned the flocks from which the sacrificial animals had to come, and they also controlled the money-changing tables at the temple. They charged greatly inflated prices on sacrificial animals, extorted money, and stole funds intended to support other priests who had no other income. So, the readers of this letter asked, do we really have such a high priest? And the first main point we find in chapter 8 is, yes, we do have a high priest that is holy, that is innocent, that is unstained, and separated from sinners, and exalted above heavens. Two Sundays ago, we heard Pastor Douglas explaining more detail about these high priest seated at the right hand of God the Father. But the last part that Pastor Douglas mentioned was about the ministry, the service of this high priest. And we read in verse 6 that is much more excellent ministry much more excellent service. Look in verse 6. If you go with me in your Bibles, chapter 8, verse 6 says, "But, But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry. The whole point of what we have been talking all this previous chapter is that we have obtained a ministry through Christ that is much more excellent than the old, as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. And here we come to the second main point where we want to spend the rest of our time the ministry that is as much more excellent than the old covenant he is better here the holy spirit through divine inspiration introduces us to introduces to us the word covenant and for many of us a covenant means nothing more a bunch of rules prescribed in the old testament for the people of israel but let me take you a little further than that. From the beginning, and here we go again with a little bit of history. From the beginning of the book of Hebrews, we've known that this letter was written to Jewish to Jewish people. That is why we will find all these things that are very, very pretty familiar to them. It refers to priests they are very familiar to priests they are very familiar with sacrifices temple the law and regulations and all this was part of a covenant between God and his people but when you open your Bible as soon as you start reading the book of Genesis you begin to see covenants popping up through the old testament a covenant with noah you remember that covenant a covenant with abraham a covenant with the old with the with the people of israel in Mo, mount sinai through moses and then a covenant with david the king david but what is a covenant A covenant is a binding agreement or contract between two or more parties. In a covenant, one party promises to do certain things on the condition that the other party is going to do certain things as well. Similarly, in God's covenant... God promises blessings, and He dictates the terms to receive such blessings. And we find an example here in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5. If you go with me to Exodus, you will find one of the covenants that we are talking about. Exodus chapter 19, in verse 5, it says... Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasure. If you, listen to my voice, if you obey my voice and if you keep my covenant, you shall be my treasure, possession among all people, peoples for all the earth. Is mine. That is one clear example of the covenant in the Old Testament. Now, in the Old Covenants I mentioned, we quickly learn two things if we are paying attention and read carefully. First, that we learn through the covenants is that the only way, the only way to relate or to come to God is by means of a covenant. Where God is the one who established the terms of the covenants. The second thing that we learn, which is more for our gain and our advantage, is that God has always been interested in formalizing a relationship with us. Through all the history of the Bible, we see God being willing to make a covenant, to make a relationship with all of us in order to be close to us, or to us to be close to Him. And this is very important to notice and to take to heart, because we live in a very different time from biblical times. Even though we never think about rituals and sacrifices or the need to be in a covenant relationship in order to come close to God, we still need a covenant. We still need a mediator. We still need a high priest. And we still need a sacrifice. It's not just for the Old Testament people. A lie around us tells us that because we are in a modern man in a civilized society, we can have our own system to come close to God. Or worst, that we can disregard God completely. A lie around us tells us that we do not need a mediator. You can be your own mediator to find the fullness of life or your inner peace. And if you are dealing with guilt, you can find an excellent professional to give you three steps to deal with your guilt and then move on. But that doesn't solve our problem before God. People in the past were primitive, and the way of life was archaic, but they understood something. They cannot come to any of their gods on their own terms. They understood that there was a need for a sacrifice. They understood that they need a substitute in order to be forgiven. And the people of Israel, the Hebrews, knew this. And therefore, they were willing to return to their old covenant. They were willing to return to the old sacrifices. But the writer of Hebrews here reminds them that there was a new covenant, a new way to come close to God. So the question that comes to mind is this. What happened with the old covenant? Why is there a need for a new one? And that's an excellent question. Because we find it in verse 7. In chapter 8, verse 7, if you go with me in your Bibles, and we'll read verse 7, and part of verse 8 says, For it was first covenant for, I'm sorry, for, it, for if, if that first covenant has been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second and look at what he says at the beginning of verse eight, "For he finds fault with them when He says, "Behold, there is our coming," declares the Lord when I will still establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. There you find that there is a need for a new covenant because God finds fault not with his covenant but with the people do you read there in verse 8 for he finds fault with them it's not God finds that his part of the agreement is fulfilled but the other party is guilty of not doing their part and again, that is the history of the Old Testament. God is doing his part of the covenant, and the people of Israel is forgetting once again, forgetting one time and another time their part of the agreement. That is why we find in the book of Hosea that the writer is telling them, God is like a faithful husband. Who is doing his part. He's providing for you all the things that you need. And you are like a wife that is unfaithful. To his husband. Because that is what was happening with the people of Israel. And that's what happened to all of us. The Holy Spirit points here that the heart of human of humanity is at fault, as it says in Romans that our human condition is always inclined to evil. There is no one good. There is no power inside to enable us to fulfill our part of the agreement. Thus, the need for a new and a better covenant. Thus, the need for power to do our part of the agreement. God knew that if men and women were ever to have a relationship with Him and have the privilege and enjoyment of being His people, there would have to be a different covenant. When the readers received this letter, they were tempted to return to their rituals and sacrifices and to the high priest that we just read before. So the writer is like, what? And the writer, inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, Use the scriptures of the Old Testament to remind them that a new covenant has been announced just in case they had not paid attention. What do you mean that you want to go to the Old Covenant? What do you mean that you want to go continue and continue offering sacrifices for your sins? Go and read in the Old Testament and you will find that there is a lot there announcing a new covenant. And that's why we read in verse 13, chapter 8, verse 13, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete is growing old and ready to vanish away. So, the passage, the scripture that the writer of Hebrews is using is found, if you want to read it later, in Jeremiah 31, 31, verse 31 to 34. And we can read it here in in our passage in Hebrews. He's just copy and paste. The Old Covenant... Promised personal prosperity, length of life, and national privileges. This new covenant offers more than that. Spiritual blessings starting here and in the life to come. In the old covenant, God says, if you do, I will do. If you obey, I will bless you. If you walk in my statutes and in my commandments, I will give you rest and the land that you are inheriting. Right? These all covenant blessings were conditioned upon human obedience, and therefore there was fine fault in them. The covenant was good but the people were not good but notice in this passage if you go with me to verses 8 to 12 it says six time and i want you to go with me to find them the first is in verse 8 and says behold The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant. Who is going to establish a new covenant? God. Jesus. I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers. On the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. For they again did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. And this is in verse 10, the second time. For... This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. Who is going to make this new covenant? God. After those days, declares the Lord. Third time, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their heart. Fourth time, and I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor. And each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the last of them to the greatest. This is the sixth time the fifth i am sorry for i will be merciful towards their iniquities and the sixth is and i will remember and i will remember their sins no more all the benefits all the blessings all the privilege are given to us by faith in the one who made the new covenant possible, Christ Jesus. That is the main point of this chapter 8 in the book of Hebrews. That's why Hebrews start with this main point in verse 1. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. And who is that person? Christ Jesus. Now I want to take a little bit of time going with you. What are the promises of this new covenant? First, first, It promises that God will put his laws in our minds and write them on our hearts. That's what we read in verses 8. In verses 10, I'm sorry. The The Jews from the Old Testament had no real inclination to obey God's commandments. And their history repeatedly proved that point time after time after time after time after time, they abandoned God. They abandoned the agreement. They had the outward rituals, but their heart were not in love with it. there There were a a burden for them. Like a, a, a work that you hate to do, right? But the new covenant believer is entirely different. Romans 7 22 says, for I delight in the law of God according, not to me, because I, I, I am, I am, yeah, Marvin, I cannot love what God wants me to do. But here says, for I delight in the law of God according to the inner being. Do you know that you have received an inner being in you? ronic was saying is the holy spirit with capital s the law is no longer an imposition or a rule i need to follow there is a desire to please the lord and to walk in his ways and this comes from these Spirit of God that is writing in our hearts the laws and the statutes and the will of God in our hearts. And suddenly, because you have the Spirit, this 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 Spirit moves you to pray. And suddenly, the Spirit moves you to read the Bible when before it was like, a <laughs> I, I struggle with this book, right? Suddenly you understand, but you keep reading. And suddenly you start to connect things. But it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit in you. Writing his law and his statutes. Suddenly you don't want to steal anymore. Suddenly you don't want to, to, to lie anymore. Suddenly you are asking God when you are driving around the city. Lord keep my eyes on the road. Not on the the girls or, or people that I'm seeing around. That is a miracle. You cannot do that by your own. It's the power of God. Helping you. To do things that are impossible for you. Second, it promised, this new covenant, it promised that God will be our God. The second part of verse 10 says, And I will be their God and they shall be my people. The people of Israel, they were proud to be chosen by God. And they demanded everybody around them to revere them as God's people. However, they did not bother to walk with God or please Him. The new covenant believer has the Holy Spirit in his heart by which he cries out, To God, our Father, as we read before at the beginning of our worship time. The Spirit of God, we can call him Father, our Father, Papito in Spanish, Daddy in English. There is an intimate relationship with God that is not found in any other religion. Talking with my brother Ranik, in the morning, he was telling me that in, in, in Hinduism, there is no way that you can call their gods as father, daddy. There is not that relationship. And then he gave me a, a pretty cool fact Muslims have 99 names for God, but none of them is father. But imagine the immense privilege that you and I have with the living God, with the true God, that we can call him Father. And not just that, God calls us sons and daughters. You will not find that anywhere else. Relationship of familiarity with the powerful, all-knowing Creator of everything, and now He says, "You are my son, and you can call me Father." That is, there are no words. There, there are no words to express. How great privilege we have receiving this Spirit and receiving this new covenant. But third, the new covenant promises that we will be considered perfect before God. We read that in verse 12 for I will be merciful toward their iniquities and I will remember their sins no more if, if, just, if, if, if just calling God as our father is an amazing miracle I don't know if you can see this I don't, no words again Our sins are forgiven. (laughs) Close your eyes and think about your sins. And then you will be grateful. And I'm happy that nobody can get in my head. Because you don't want to know. But. He has provided a high priest. And he has provided a sacrifice. Jesus Christ. That's why Ephesians 5, 27 says, We will be presented perfect before God without spot or wrinkle or any such things that we might be holy and without blemish. This is because our sins have been put on Christ's account on the cross. And his righteousness has been transferred to our account. His sacrifice has dealt with our sins. Open sins, secret sins, repeated sins, yesterday sins. Today sins, tomorrow sins, every sin. And this is the miracle God does not remember any of them anymore. What a beautiful new covenant we have through Jesus Christ. The main point in Hebrews 8 is that there is no way you and I will find someone better than Jesus. You and I will not find a better sacrifice than Jesus. There is no way you and I will find a perfect, holy unstained high priest the main point of this is that because of Jesus we have received the power of the holy spirit to love God and to obey him because we have received a new heart a new desires to do what is right and to do what is just The main point of of Hebrews chapter 8 is that because of Jesus, we have received justification, a right relationship with God, sanctification. There is the process that we are becoming like Jesus day by day by the power of the Holy Spirit. And through Jesus, we have received the forgiveness of sin. You remember at the beginning, we were saying, yes, we modern men, our civilized society, still need a mediator. Still need a power to help us to do these things that we have been talking about because we have no power. I don't know where are you at right now. What is your struggle? And what are the solutions that you are looking for to solve your problems, to deal with your guilt, To get rid of sin. I don't know. But the offer for all of us this morning. Is that there is a new covenant. Instead of looking anywhere else. Look at Christ. Run to him. And enjoy all the benefits. Benefits. That are being offered to you let's pray thank you Lord for your word thank you for the gift of a new covenant a new agreement where we are just by faith believing that you are all what we need thank you for Jesus. Thank you. For his sacrifice. And thank you. For having him seated at your right hand. Where he is. Interceding for us. And if we are struggling. Today Lord. With sin. And if we are looking places or people or other things, Lord, to solve our problems, help us, Lord, to run to you and to find in you all what we need. In your name we pray, amen. Let's stand up together, and we are going to be singing this beautiful hymn that says, "Yet not I." And one of the one of the the, the one part of the lyrics says, "To this I hold, my shepherd will defend me, through the deepest valley he will lead me, on the night has been." All the night has been won, and I shall overcome. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. No fate I dread. I know I am forgiven. The future, sure. The price, it had been paid. For Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon. And he was raised to overthrow the grave to these i hold my sin has been defeated jesus now and ever is my plea all the change the chains are released and i can sing i am free yet not i but through christ In me and in you. So let's sing the praises and let's sing from the bottom of our heart. Yet not I, but Christ. He's everything for me. To Him I hold. He is my hope. He is my anchor. He is my salvation. Yet not I but through Christ in me let's sing together
2: what gift of grace is Jesus my redeemer there is no more
1: Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Again, I said rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. And the God of love and peace will be with you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore. Amen.
2: i yeah. yeah.